It's October the 4th, 2023. This is Five Away to Show About Worcester. Here we are in downtown Worcester with Brendan Milliken. What a beautiful day it is today, Mike. It is, this weather is amazing. This is this sort of weird two day, 80 degree high thing that we get here in the beginning it. of October. I will take it. Brendan, I, I want to talk about um, voting in the city of Worcester, and especially strategic voting in the, in the city of Worcester. You, you were going to that, you huh? were gonna, You were going to comment on something. What was that? About, about elections, the thing about elections. Is. Oh, well, no, I, I think that one of the things that's interesting about elections nationwide, so not Worcester-specific, but um, that's important for people to keep in mind, especially in contentious elections, is that, so you go back 10, 15 years, uh, it was over 50% of Americans, like, kind of played the game that political historically political parties have played that like they're not really trying to like move further and further apart they keep some a degree of consensus by allowing people to kind of hop from one party to the other based on who is the most attractive candidate at that moment in time and as a result most americans viewed both parties uh as trustworthy um okay. and honest and what have you now we're down to below, um, last time I looked, it was well below 30% of Americans believe both parties uh, have uh, the nation's interests uh, at heart, yeah. uh, believe that they're trustworthy, and believe they're made up of good people. So I think one of the problems that we're gonna start running into when we're looking at, and that's why this came up before we started talking, when it comes to at looking, histor at looking at historical data, one of the problems that we're gonna start running into is you have to figure out how to figure in that people are locked into a party, right? Like the likelihood of somebody jumping ship from one party to another now is, it's almost mathematically impossible. Mm. Something really, really wacky would happen for somebody to do that. And it's more likely that someone is likely to accept a subpar candidate uh, of their own party. And again, yeah. respecting that no, we don't do parties in Worcester, technically. Um, they're more likely to hold their nose, bite their tongue, whatever, on a candidate that con they consider subpar in their own party than ever dream of voting for the other party, or blank out ballots, as the case may be. And I, the only reason I was bringing it up is you wanted to talk elections today, which I'm thrilled about because you're better at that than I am. Uh, but the one thing that I think we're, we're finding more and more is that you can almost predict, if you can figure out that math, who, who's assigned to what, what group or body, uh, all that's left over are the swing voters, like the people that are literally making up their minds when it comes to voting uh, as they're walking into polling places, yeah. which I feel like you and I have laughed at this very concept for as long as we've known each other now, but that's that really is voting now. It's like the majority of people, you know where they were going to be four years ago, probably 10 years ago. Then there's that around 10% of the population that has no idea where they're going to be when they walk into the polling place. They're either going to see a name or something's going to register with them or they saw an advertisement the night before and that's the thing that makes up their mind for mm. them. Yeah. That's really all I had for you. Well, I want to talk about strategic voting in Worcester elections. Um, you know, Brandon, uh, you could vote your preference when you go in to vote. Um, which is straightforward and pretty easy to do, or you could try to vote strategically. I think yeah. it just kind of depends on what you're trying to, what you're trying to do, what your goals are. Um, if you have money on the on the race, if you have money, yeah, yeah. And you know, and we can we can point out that like, obviously your vote doesn't count. Like there's no there's no election in Worcester that's like an exact tie. Right. Like the the sometimes elections come pretty close and there's a recount because of that yeah. but we're never like one vote away from a recount that's crazy so yeah, i think precincts we came kind of close in this most recent preliminary there were a couple precincts i believe in two and in one that they were like really neck and neck but yeah, yeah to your point once you actually start stacking all it there's too many people yeah. here but, but you know we could say like at the same time like obviously like a voting block of 
10 people or 20 people or 100 people or 1,000 people is certainly impactful on the election. And you're probably a member of some kind of voting bloc, whether uh, explicit or implicit. Sure. And so there may be many people in the city where you have made an implied promise to vote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people always say like, well, okay, fine, like my vote doesn't matter, but what if I organize 100 people? Doesn't, does that matter? And it's like, that, prob that potentially does matter. And also, if you organize 100 people, those 99 people should vote and you should not vote. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but except that you have an implied promise to all of them, like, I will also vote, I will stay in your block. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you could vote your preference, vote for who you like, or you could try to vote strategically. Um, you know, I think in some ways it probably depends on, like, how much emotion comes into it. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, obviously, since your vote probably doesn't matter, you should voting your heart probably makes a lot of sense a lot of the time. In which case, you know, like in the Worcester at-large elections, the city council, the school committee, you're voting, you know, you're you're writing six people's names down on your ballot. You're right. voting six times, and overall, the top six vote getters get on get elected. And this time we have what, like 11 people running yep. for city council, um, and so you could certainly just like be like, these are my six favorite people. In which case. Thanks for watching 508. I've been Mike Benedetti. This has been Brendan Milliken. We appreciate your time as always. Or you could try to vote strategically. And again, if voting doesn't make and doesn't matter, the strategic voting definitely doesn't matter. But the reality is that I think a lot of us get in the polling booth or before we go down to vote, we're thinking, should I leave blank slots on my ballot? Right. Should I do this? We did, we spend some amount of effort every two years thinking about this stuff. And so that's where, for me, the, there's some value in trying to drill down on it mathematically mm -hmm. and say, okay, fine. I'm thinking about this in the same way that I'm like carving a little owl out of wood, sure. right? Like, <laughs> is, is it, you know, am I, am I gonna sell that owl for enough money to make it worth my time? No, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reasonable use of time. It feels worthwhile to me. In the same what way it feels- What else are you gonna do on a Thursday? What else are you gonna be doing? <laughs> it feels, feels worthwhile. So if you're gonna vote strategically, uh, Greg Opperman and I have done some of the math around trying to figure out Worcester elections, like these pick six elections mm -hmm. in general and the 2023 uh, city council at large election in particular. Uh, here's the summary. Maybe I'll tell you the summary and then maybe we can talk about how I get to the summary or how we got to these summaries and we can talk about your objections. Cause I'll say this, just because I'm like bringing math into this people, don't believe me. Like, if you have objections, tell me your objections. You're, I mean, th this this math is not super solid. Like, were you good at math? I was great at math. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking know, your word for it. I know. I know. I'm back in college. I'm taking remedial math. Yeah, right now. they changed it all. Well, I did. I did combinatorics as part of this thing today. There's a lot of statistical statistical stuff we're doing today. We're using the Monte Carlo method. I would say a lot today. Um, <laughs> this is what's what, what it's called. This is what it's called. Um, here's what you should do if you want to vote strategically in a Worcester Pick Six election. You shouldn't vote for anyone who's guaranteed to win or to lose. Leaving ballot slots blank does slightly help the candidates that you do vote for, mm -hmm. but the effect is extremely slight. So if there are six plausible candidates you like or that you don't hate, you should vote six times. That That's the summary. Again, yeah. thanks for watching 508. Well, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, so... Um, what were your takeaways from uh, that thesis? Well, I'll tell you, that. maybe I'll tell you the... I kind of want to. I kind of want to leave the good part to the end, but I don't know if that's how people watch a podcast. Um, like the the, fir the first the, the piece that I really looked into and did some math on was the piece trying to figure out does it make sense to bullet vote? Like if you if you have six slots on your ballot mm -hmm. and you only fill one of those slots okay. with candidate A, let's say, you know, for with Gary Rosen, let's say, 
Does that help Gary Rosen more than if you voted for Gary Rosen and five other candidates in the election? Or does voting for those five other candidates, because there's some situations in which there would have been a tie and you would have broken the tie, but now you're not breaking the tie because you're also voting for Bill Coleman or whatever, and now Bill Coleman is gonna win, that there are these crazy marginal cases. You and just helped me realize that Worcester, in effect, has a really bizarre modified form of ranked choice voting without intending to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that it has exactly what it intends to have. Yeah, no, but, but it's like, the, the, I mean, the idea behind ranked choice, I mean, just in theory, that we're, you're, you're voting for this block of people. Yeah. Nobody's really that passionate by, by an entire voting block of people. That's, they can't be. Okay. If they are, I just, uh, they're weird. Some people are, I mean, we can get into that. Separate, <laughs> that's a separate question that I feel like I, we could talk about more in, in another show. Uh, I feel like I have some evidence of that. Uh, so anyway, so just, just looking at bullet voting, what I did was um, I made I made like a, a theoretical computer model of an election with mm -hmm. 12 candidates running for six seats. Statistically, we'd call that 12 choose six. Yep. Or combinatorically, we'd call it 12 choose six. And said, what if all the voters just vote randomly? Um, you know, but you don't vote randomly. You vote strategically. Mm. When should you, you know, what, how, how, you know, if you you bullet voting, how does that look versus you not bullet voting? And what I found was that you're like 80% more like, like it like adds like another 0.8 of a vote, kind of. Mm -hmm. So if you're voting for Gary Rosen, only for Gary Rosen, you're kind of voting for Gary Rosen 1.8 times versus if you voted for all six people, in which case you'd only be voting for Gary Rosen once. But you'd also be voting for Bill Coleman one time. You'd also be voting for, you know, um, all kinds of people one time. Yeah. So, um, as you can tell, I can only think of Gary Rosen and Bill Coleman. They're the only people in my heart. Um, this is how Mike Bullitt votes. But this, but the, so, so this is based on like a totally fake computer model where people vote randomly for 12 candidates, right. which is crazy. In reality, it's a lot less than 0.8. It's way less than 0.8. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is where I think we get the we get the idea that even if it was 0.8, you should almost certainly vote for two people. If there's somebody who you like 80% as much as Gary Rosen, you should be voting for them as well. Um, and because, you know, one vote for Gary and one vote for another person is going to be better for you than 1.8 vote, uh, votes for Gary, I think. Am I doing the math right? And probably yes. there's multiple people you should be voting for. Yeah. That's where that comes from. So basically, bullet vote if you want to, but... And it is going to help your guy, but it's not going to help your guy much. Yeah. You know, again, it's not going to help your guy to vote for them at all to begin with. <laughs> but, you know, we're looking at it strategically. The other, the other thing was, um, was that uh, uh, Greg looked at the number of votes that candidates got in past elections. Because we have sure. a lot of people who are running this year who've run at least once in the past, if not a lot of times in the past. Bill Coleman actually is over the last, since 1987, is one of the top... I want to say top five, definitely top ten, uh, in terms of number of years he's run for an office. Yes. Yeah. Well, and yeah. in, in, I mean, Joe Petty as well. He's been in and office Joe since Petty's, what, ninety-eight. Joe Petty's also way up there. Yeah. So for some of these people, we got a lot of evidence, and what Greg found was that over the looking at the, just the last five elections, people people get a reasonably consistent number of votes year to year. There's obviously a lot of ups and downs, but it's within a it's within a fairly narrow range. He, I don't think he looked beyond the before the last five elections because you're kind of trying to figure out like what's really relevant to sure. this year. And he did he did a little bit of a time waiting thing where the election five years ago, 
is going to be less important for his average than the election four or four, five cycles ago, less important than four cycles ago, three cycles ago, two cycles ago, last cycle. Yes. At the same time, this is totally ignoring anything involving 2023, right? Like well, any, that's a big thing too, because I mean, if you look at the, if you were to jump back another 10 years from where you did, you're in a completely different time politically, right? I mean, no, it's, it's not your day. And you're going from a, like what you, what you folks looked at is the start of the Tea Party movement mm -hmm. to now, uh, which at its, on its outset, I think was far more popular and viewed far less suspiciously as it is historically today and how, what it's become currently uh, is viewed as today. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, but a lot of those people that you're, you're, you're talking about, some of our longest standing councillors, that, that wave is what got them on the council in the first place. There you go, there you go. Well, um, whenever he's looking at a time-weighted time average of like the last five elections or however many elections people ran, and then you're kind of looking at like, what is that like election to election variance look mm -hmm. like? And we'll take this into account and, and we'll say, well, now we'll simulate some computer elections based on the idea that Joe Petty gets probably this number of votes on average, mm -hmm. but there's also going to be some variance. So depending on where we're going to, we're going to throw in some random factors to account for that. What Greg found is that when he ran a million simulations of a 2023 election, <laughs> that Petty won in one million of those simulations. Interesting. And initially, he only did like one standard deviation of um, spread, mm -hmm. uh, in which case not only Petty, but like King and, and uh, Toomey, all these people were a total 100% lock or 99.999% lock. So he did two standard deviations being like, now we're gonna consider some pretty, some pretty crazy scenarios, but we'll, so now, but now still 99% of all possible elections are gonna be within two standard deviations, probably. Interesting. Uh, and so, so, so he did this in part because you just, you just, you, you do, you don't wanna just be like, everybody's a lock. You kind of want to think about like, well, maybe some people are more of a lock than others. Right. And in this case, he found that Petty is basically still a sure thing. Yes. Um, that uh, Toomey, King, and Bergman all won in 95% plus of those scenarios in mm -hmm. there. Um, so that doesn't mean that they're a total lock, but it means they're pretty close to a lock, especially with the two standard deviations. Uh, uh, Tu Nguyen was 86%, uh, mm -hmm. and um, one reason that I think that they did worse in his, in his model that you might think based on their vote count was just they only, we only have one data point for them. Mm -hmm. So you gotta kinda say like, What's their consistency year to year? We have no idea. We can make some reasonable guesses about that, but they're not going to look. It's it's going to give them. There's going to be more uncertainty there. Um, and then uh, Calorio, 79 percent, 79 percent with more elections than than two. So right. so a, a legit like significantly less of a chance than the other candidates based on the last five elections. Mm -hmm. um, everyone will be sad to know that Coleman and Kramer each have a two to four percent chance of winning. That's in the two. The two the two standard deviation model. One standard deviation model, there's no chance that they win. Interesting. Um, and, uh, right, which again, I would have thought that Kramer had a higher chance than that. I would have thought Bill Coleman honestly had a lower chance than that yeah. because Worcester doesn't know what's good for them and is never gonna vote Bill Coleman for anything. Not in this, not in this reality. Um, you know what I say, Brendan? A, B, C. All A, always. B, B, C, voting for Coleman. Yeah. Always be Coleman. Um, uh, and then, so then, and then the other, the other people who are on the ballot who are Morales, Peroni, and Hampton Dance are like, who the heck knows, right? Um, and so Greg's big takeaway is that you shouldn't vote for 
Coleman and Kramer because they're just not gonna, there's no, there's no, you're throwing your vote away. There's no way they're gonna win. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't vote for Petty, Toomey, King, and Bergman because they're all gonna win whether you want them to or not. Right. So you should be thinking about Nguyen, Clorio, Morales, Perón, or Hampton Dance and saying, if any of those you like, Put them on your ballot. And you could leave the rest of the slots blank if you want, give them maybe a little minuscule amount of extra oomph, or you could throw some other people on there, that's fine too. But th those would be the people that you should really think about, do I want these people elected or not? That if there's any chance of your vote mattering in this, you know, fantasy football version of voting we're doing here, yeah, that's what you gotta do. Now, I don't know if this makes sense, uh, you know, how do you think that this 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 model based on the last five elections stacks up to your sense of the actual real world 2023? Well, I think it's I, I think it stacks just fine, but very neatly, like everything in Worcester. But it it's also based just on past outcomes of right. past elections, without taking into account. Um, this is actually kind of an interesting, uh, not just local election cycle, but an interesting political cycle for that local election cycle to uh, be in on. Like, none of those uh, past five elections um, was ab were abortion rights on the table nationally, right. and in in conjunction with none of those five cycles where abortion rights weren't on the table. Um, Municipally. Was, well, oh. nationally, because we're, that's probably the biggest yeah. conversation taking place affecting national politics. But now we've brought it back to the local level by spending the, over the last year discussing it on a local level in a way that I think is just confusing enough where the council has kind of self-identified as folks that are not willing to uh, go the distance in terms of protecting abortion rights versus being wishy-washy on it, which is something that is new around here, but it also harkens back to an older time with older uh, um, Irish politicians, Irish and Italian politicians, mostly Catholics in Worcester, going back to the original Roe era, where you saw them get wiped out in many cases because they found themselves on the wrong team almost overnight mm. uh, as uh, the political tone of the country changed. And like that's something that I don't even know how you'd begin to account for that with a uh, mm. you know math like you're you're doing yeah. now. Yeah. We'd probably have to call in uh, the 538 people uh, to help out on that one. I mean that's that a lot of polling is going to yeah. go into that there. I mean I think the 538 people would say like that's the thing is we don't have any reliable public polling of Worcester, which yeah. is why the, the last reliable public poll we have of Worcester is like the uh, 2021 election. Yeah. <laughs> so this is why we're going with that. But again, it's it's a pretty bad piece of it's a pretty bad data point for 2023. I think it's a great. Hey, Speaking of people to vote for, future mayor Christian King right there. There he is. He didn't hear you. <laughs> May have. Um, oh, I thought his shirt said, his shirt says Bermuda. I thought yeah. it said Bergman for a second. I'm kind of disappointed. Anyway. That would be awesome in a weird way. Um, I think that's the problem is like there are a lot of things at play in Worcester uh, that reflect uh, things that are in play nationally. Going into a presidential cycle uh, is the wrong time to ever be on the wrong side of any of those issues, even okay. if it's the side that you've always been on, uh, especially if you've never really had to be vocal and articulate uh, where you stand on any one of those issues. Um, and it's not just uh, that one with um, you know the crisis pregnancy centers or whatever the case may be. We've had a lot of conversations about uh, the role of law enforcement in Worcester, and we've hmm. seen people carve out territory where they actually fall. That has happened in the past in Worcester, we're no stranger to that, but it really hasn't happened at the same moment in time that the national conversation is taking on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. And things are starting to happen nationally that impact uh, policy on a state and, and local level. So I know, I, I, just to keep it relatively brief, 
I think that's fantastic. I see no fault in anything that you stated other than when you throw in the curveball of reality. Yes, uh, which yes. like today's reality, which yes. is where it gets problematic. I agree, like, when you, the four people you mentioned who I think are, you mentioned are shoe-ins, mathematically, I agree completely, but I don't think it can, takes into account uh, the mayor's race, which, like, again, Joe will probably be on the, I would be shocked if Joe Petty wasn't on the council uh, going into next year. Mm -hmm. I would be equally shocked if he was mayor. Really? Oh yeah, totally. Okay. No, more. I, I would be, I would be upset with my myself and my own uh, ability to reason. I think again, we have a Senate race uh, to look at where a relatively unknown, uh, you know, well, you know, part of the program, so to speak, but relatively unknown uh, young woman throttled Joe Petty in yeah, his own that's city, true. like in, to an embarrassing level. Like that's the sort of thing that you get throttled like that when you have a massive scandal behind you. Mm -hmm. Not when somebody who nobody's ever met or heard of before, when it comes to, the, to regular voters, um, is given a choice, uh, destroys you. Uh, and I feel like Joe Petty's entire running for that race was completely against his brand. Mm -hmm. And it, we've complained on here, we talked here before about like Bob Dole when he ran for president, that Bob Dole was always like the hilariously mean dude. Yeah in the Senate, and then when he ran for president, he's like, I'm warm, cuddly Grandpa Bob Dole, so right. nobody wants to vote for you, and also nobody wants to vote for you afterwards because they're like, who are you, Bob Dole? Well, and a similar thing with Joe Petty. It's like, he didn't run as the, for state senate as the quiet man. He didn't run for state senate as somebody who didn't care that much if he got it. He ran for somebody who really wanted it. That's not the Joe Petty brand. The Joe Petty brand is, I was there, therefore I, <laughs> I, I you know. What else were you gonna vote for? Right, yeah. I'm like, for, I forced gumped my way into being the mayor and uh, I guess this is fine. But this is, and you just mentioned something, I think inadvertently, a, another factor that I think comes into play here as well. I mean, the biggest conversation happening uh, about our presidential uh, cycle right now, because there aren't really any issues to discuss per se, being too far out, is age and you know we have a count so mike our uh, camera died twice uh, in the course, short period of time there so i'm going to try and make this quick and get back to where i was but uh yeah, the other demographics that we have to take into consideration are age which is being discussed uh, you know a huge factor in the presidential cycle of course none of these folks are as old as joe biden or donald trump but it does you mentioned how long they've been here and I think that's something that does need to be taken into consideration when we have lots of shifts in demographics as we do now. Yeah. We've got 25,000 new residents in Worcester, 30,000 probably at this point. With those are the people you said earlier that are, are the ones that are, you tell them that like, oh, this is what a trash program looks like? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. And like, how long has this been? Like, you tell them it's been here for 30 years. Like, what the hell's wrong with you people, right? Like, but those are also the people who are looking at these, well, wait, it's taking these people 30 years to get a trash bag right, uh, garbage collection uh, we can't get right. Our streets are, are worse than I think they've ever been in my, even the basic stuff, right? Like, it's fun to say things like Rome wasn't built in a day, but I think ultimately <laughs> the point is that they, they kind of got it done, they eventually. They made some progress, they, <laughs> they made some done. progress year to year. And that's why I think your math in closing is spot on but I think it does does not do a fair job of taking into consideration that there's a lot more in the air in Worcester than we would normally see uh, in early October uh, leading into an election cycle. Terrific. That's well, my take. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you also for watching at home. You know, we'll, we'll do some other shows coming up here about the election, probably graph-based episodes rather than political-based episodes. Um, hope everybody's doing good. This is Mike Bandevi. This is Brendan. Great Martin. seeing y'all. This is the beautiful city of Worcester. We'll see you later.